Why go to all the trouble of experiencing the great outdoors for yourself when you can listen to a few Northwest outdoor experts yap about it? This is the Three Rivers Marine Outdoor Line with Tom Nelson and Joey Piber on Seattle Sports. The Outdoor Line is brought to you by Yamaha, Sportco Outdoor Emporium, Duckworth Boats, Roy Robinson RV, Kitsap Marina, Bob's Heating and Air Conditioning, Ray Marine, and Les Schwab Tires. Hello, good morning, and welcome to the Outdoor Line, streaming live at MyNorthwest.com. Don't forget about the live video feed on 710sports.com, and of course, the venerable V, OutdoorLine.com, with blogs, podcasts, and so very, very much more. Mayday, mayday, mayday. Beautiful morning. Oh, dude. Nice Amazing. and calm. It's going to be warm. Oh. I actually wore shorts today. You did. It was shocked. The first, I was shocked. The, I broke up. I, I had. I have like a drawer that is the very bottom, and all the shorts go in there oh, yeah. at the end of summer. I hear you. And I had to. I had to bust into it. There you go. I like it. I, and I'm, I'm just ashamed that I'm not wearing shorts myself. But, dude, uh, it was so nice yesterday afternoon. Actually, sat out on the deck with Kathy for a little bit, and just and just. It was really the first time we sat out there and just were able to. It, You're it, comfortable. Yes. Yeah. With no very little wind, sun hitting you, and it's just medicinal, man. That first time you just you get the sun kind of generating all that wonderful vitamin D into you, just freaking amazing. Flat, calm day for our butt fishermen out on the straits, and and they. Got some fish. They did. I mean, I, I'm looking at the Creel reports, and you're starting to see some pretty decent numbers of fish being caught at, at, coming into Cornet Bay, um, you know, out, out in PA, John Wayne. Uh, there's a bunch of fish out there. We just needed some calm weather. We, yep. needed, we needed the fleet to be able to get out there and figure <laughs> that out, you know. They, yeah. Basically, guys just hadn't figured it out yet. And for it sure. sounds like that north end is really producing well for, for the guys going out of Cornet Bay. Um, so it's nice to see. I'm glad. And today's, I, we just checked. I, I call the Smith uh, the Smith Island buoy. Yeah. I have it on speed dial on my it's, phone. Which is like the analog, old school freaking butt it. But, I, I yeah. love just hearing them, you know, <laughs> hearing it say three knots yeah, It out will there be right three now. knots at, yeah. So it's a greaser in the straits. Yeah. And, 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 and a, not a big current exchange. And now the cool thing about this is we have... The ocean halibut opened up, so that's gonna. There's gonna be a lot of effort shift. So, there, uh, guys that are just absolute buttheads that mm-hmm. that are that are fishing the straits right now are now gonna transfer out to the ocean, where there is an amazing quote on on tap this year. Sixty four thousand pounds of which are available out of Westport, and so if you want to learn Westport and what they bite and where they go. There's no better way than to book a charter. And there's seats available right now in a lot of different places. A lot of our friends out there charter. One of them joining us this morning, our, our, our good friend Mark Coleman of All Rivers and Saltwater Charters. So so we've we've done the legwork for you here. He's got a couple seats available, okay? Mm-hmm. But he's also going to give up some interesting tidbits of info on that Westport fishery, right? And and so, you know. And it, nobody knows it better. I mean, dude, the, he just, you just know. like a he's first a class operation. Highliner. Yeah. Highliner. I mean. All his guys. I yeah, mean, all his, his guys. All his guys are just and, awesome, and, awesome charter captains. And every single fishery, you know, from tuna to salmon to lings to everything. I mean, you know, Mark Coleman, I, he's he's got my respect and and, um, and just a great angler. So, and, and. He's impossible to get for an interview, right? Especially I, on a Saturday. Yeah, They're usually just always freaking working. Oh, did I mention his operation in Costa Rica? <laughs> it's pretty cool. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, 
we may we may be one. We'll probably spend some some of next February there in uh, in in Costa Rica that doing doing. Suck. Oh, dude, it's freaking an amazing place. So anyway, so he's going to jump in and do the, do that. Um, we're also uh, we we you know anytime I get an email from Andy Wagamont of NorthwestSportsmanMagazine.com, it's like oh gosh, here we go. And sure enough. You know, we've got another one of these situations by which you know the the the, the devil's in the details, the the fine print of the budget that just came out, and at the last minute, three hundred thousand dollars was placed in the budget in WDFW's budget. And and make no mistake, this was the the backcountry hunters and anglers and and a bunch of other Washington pro sportsmen guys stood shoulder to shoulder with WDFW and some other folks to get this budget passed and get $24 million additional for biodiversity and some other stuff. And wouldn't you know, here's a study to reform WDFW. And we say reform WDFW, watch it, because here's what's coming out of that, okay, is, is oversight to rewrite some of the some of the guidelines by which WDFW manages wildlife populations, and I guarantee none of those has one basis in biology. No, no, it doesn't at all. And thank you, Andy, uh, from Northwest Sportsman Magazine, for keeping all of us tuned in to exactly what's going on because nowadays, guys, you have to keep – Dude. you got to keep up on this stuff. It's such a shell game. And I'm I'm impressed, man, like – Andy just kicks these articles out, and there's so much information in there. They're easy to read for guys like us who just you gotta you gotta get the gist of what's going on. Uh, he bangs them out, man. It's pretty cool, and, and so definitely go check out Northwest Sportsman. Just just um, go t- go on their website yep. and go down to the bottom, uh, subscribe, and then you will get every article that they kick out. So you know, the, the in your title, email. title of the article, and you need to read it, New WDFW Biodiversity Funding Package Comes with Huge Caveat. So there's a worm in a woodpile here, gangs. And and so Brian Lynn of the Sportsman's Alliance is going to jump in a little later this hour, kind of walk us through this, you know, and um, it, it's one of these line items that's really, really troubling. So, but you know, again, we're not going to make the whole show about it, but but it's definitely something. What we are going to make the whole show about is what what's the name of that guy that used to do the show with us again. Starts uh, in, starts Rob in, Tobek. Ro- oh, no. oh, oh, the, yeah, the other too. Rob? The other Robbo. Oh, the other yeah. Robbo, the other white meat. Um, Rob <laughs> Ensley is uh, actually our, our – he Robbo resurfaces, okay? So um, he's worth talking to again because he's in southeast Alaska, you yeah. see? And so now we can get some We can get some information. So, so here's – one of the reasons I'm so fired up over the Peregrine Lodge trip is – because I've been hearing what's going on already in Sitkin. I'm hearing what's already going on in 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 Craig. Yeah. And, and don't and, and here's the deal. When there's fish right now in, in Prince of Wales Island and Craig, I mean, dude, Peregrine Lodge is right across Dixon Entrance from there. You can freaking see Robbo from that lodge. And and so this is a an amazingly cool opportunity to get in on some early Chinook and, and the the thing of it is, this time last year we were not hearing this. There was a there was a decent body of fish in April and early part of May in Sitka, and then the rest of the summer they bounced off southeast. Yeah, they uh, they hit the highway and, and scooted around. No, we're, and we're hearing of some nice big. I mean, we're seeing some big yeah. Chinook being caught up in Sitka. And right so, now. and and so Brock Hewer has been really really super busy with the draft, but he wanted to come on today. And invite everybody up to the Dave Wyman Brock Heward. It's not it's not the outdoor line listener trip anymore. It's the Dave Wyman Brock Heward Peregrine Lodge Father's Day trip now. 
So they, they've, they've renamed it. So I'm, I'm looking forward to So we're talking to Brock uh, later on in the show. Um, and then, uh, but, but okay, but now between now and then, we've got, we've got to talk. We, we, we're going we're gonna to waltz up the food chain. And, and our first steps up the food chain for the Lincoln Open on Monday are going to start tomorrow. Okay? So if you're getting bait, which we're going to do tomorrow, and I'm thinking in the back of my head, I'm thinking, all right, well, the boat's in the harbor. We can leave the live well switch. We can leave the battery switches on and then have the live well just pump water all night long. And you go, dude, what are you talking about? We're going to freaking grab a shrimp trap and mesh the doors shut and just hang that thing next to the boat. Yeah. Which is freaking brilliant, you know? Yeah. Last night, I mean, the boat would be fine. But it would be. We probably would both be thinking about it. All night long. All night. And, and, and so... <laughs> So, you know, how many times have I run out with the aforementioned Rob Tobeck off over the bar and he doesn't have an extra cassette for his wash for his live well pump and we lose the live wells, we lose the anchovies, now we're fishing dead bait for right. So you dodge that whole thing, you just completely take the pump out of the equation, your electrical system out of the equation by taking we're gonna take some pictures of this tomorrow because it's just freaking brilliant. Obviously, you can't use a crab trap, right? You have to use a shrimp trap because of the smaller mesh. And there's no way a flatty, a little sand dab, or a pogey or pile perch is getting out of a shrimp trap if you mesh the entry door shut. Yeah. They can't get out. Yep. But they have nice flow-through water, right? It's a, it's a brand-new shrimp trap, so it's all vinyl-coated. They can't bump their little noses and get <laughs> scraped and stuff like no, that. No, we want them pristine. Yeah. So when we stick a hook in them and send them bingo. down. Bingo. So by going out tomorrow, which is Sunday, right, and getting our bait, keeping them nice and happy in a shrimpy mm-hmm. trap, then Monday morning, we just grab that trap, dump it into the live well, haul ass, right? Because it, it gives you a step up on the fleet that is going to go catch their bait the same day they're going to go catch their lings. Exactly. So at first light, we're already going to be swimming Fishing. them. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So we're going to, I got some amazing bait to catch our yeah. bait. And I got some razor clam necks. Razor clam necks yeah. to get the little, uh, to get the sand dabs to go. Mm-hmm. And so. And then I'm going to, I'm going to bring some coon shrimp and we're okay. going to try to use that to catch some of those shiner perch. Little tiny bits. Of, I know, but dude, they, they, they eat those doggone sabiki rigs. They eat yeah. them down to. Listen, the, I have to put bait on everything. I know. Okay. I know. Okay. It's just the deal. But, so, but here's, here's the deal. My family will disown me if I don't put so, bait on everything that goes no, I, I hear you there. Um, and we, you've heard us talk about these sabiki rigs before. It's just a simple herring jig, right? There's half a dozen hooks, little tiny hooks, with a little piece of fake mackerel skin, a little glow bead and stuff like that. And they just they look like little shrimpies in the harbor, right? Mm-hmm. So everything eats these. And I mean everything, okay? Sand dabs will eat them. Pogies will eat them. Herring. They are herring jigs, right? Yep. Smelt. And so, yeah, smelt everything. And and so, but but if you bait the bottom two and then just go fish sand dabs, then you would be surprised because, you know, the last time Robbo was down here for the May opener, we did that, you know, just off a hat. Yeah. And we caught live live herring and sand dabs on the same jigs. So if, but if you go out and just fish a couple of, like number eight worm hooks or whatever, you're going to catch your sand dabs, right? But you're taking the whole other fin fish deal out of the equation. And if you catch a big horse herring 
and swim that sucker. Ooh. Oh, dude, you know, you'll get lings. L- and let's, get lings. let's tell guys about our, our sabiki rod because that's kind of the key to the, the deal. It really is. Listen, the last thing you want is six tiny little <laughs> razor-sharp hooks whipping around oh, inside the cab they of your get boat. Everything. You know, they, yeah, they just get stuck in everything. So the sabiki rod allows you to reel the actual the herring jig, the hooks, into the rod itself. Yep. And then the weight kind of plugs the end, and it's nice and tucked away, and you can always have it on your boat. We always have one on the we boat do. all we summer do. long. And it's a hollow rod. Yeah, hollow so, rod. So it just sucks it right in the uh, – you know, right in the tube of the rod, and it looks like a blunder, old blunderbuss, old yeah. school, old yep. school mus- musket, right? And and so, and I mean, you can get these things online, but but last time I checked, they were at Harbor Marine too. Mm-hmm. You know, they're all over the place now. The other thing you you got to you got to consider is these Sabiki rigs are wear items. So we'd used one over the course of the winter, and I checked it when I put the Sabiki rod on the boat. Hooks are already rusty. They're gone. The hooks There's, will de- actually be gone. They are. They'll just rust yeah, off. And, They're and so little. They are. It's biodegradable, yeah, dude. Yeah, buy and 10 you, or 12 of them. Just throw them on your boat. I'm and, pretty sure I have a lifetime supply now because I always buy them and, and then stash them, yeah. right? So, but now, and then, yeah, I did some reorganization over the winter, and I found some more, and I found some more, and I found some more. So, yeah, dude, if you get two days use out of them, that's a win. Sure. That, that's a win. But they're so little and so sharp, and they're so much fun. It's just kicking the pants. Anyway, so you're going to be hearing more and more about this, uh, about the Ling deal. And fresh Lings, dude. Fresh Lings are just amazing. All right. We're just picking the first little bit off of May. We're going to run through some May opportunities here. Not just Lings, not just halibut. we got prawns coming up, which you're very so excited about. But the thing <laughs> I'm most excited about is Matt Nelson's birthday on Monday the 1st. He's shaking his he's head. He's shaking his head. We're not going to talk about that anymore. So, All right. Give us 90 seconds. Load up that text toy. 866-979-3776. That is the Reverse China Hotline. You're back to a Wellcraft Duckworth Northwest boat. It's also the text toy powered by Yamaha Outboards. 866-979-3776. Your phone calls, texts, and some May opportunities. And one opener you may not have heard of right here on the Outdoor Line. Seattle Sports Station 710, Seattle Sports app. From the shining shores of Puget Sound to your radio, this is the Outdoor Line on Seattle Sports Station. Welcome back to the Outdoor Line. That's Joey Piper and Matt Nelson behind the glass. I'm Tom Nelson. Thanks for tuning in this morning. Uh, you know what? Last Saturday was opening day, and uh, you, you get open day out of the way. Kind of drizzly, kind of rainy. Of course, the following Saturday is going to be flat, calm, sunny, and, and gorgeous. And, and the, the real tragedy about our opening day lakes is it such a boom and bust deal? I mean, everybody shows up on the first Saturday of the season, and then you get just a fraction of the crowds the rest of the time. And the fishing could actually be better. It'll get better as the lakes just warm you up. Know, slowly warm up. I wasn't able to get out on the opener. Um, obviously, <laughs> but, we were in, in the studio here, but yeah. I did go on Sunday, and it was the most miserable, rainy. It never stopped raining. Um, I rode my bike about nine miles into a little lake where I knew I would have it all to myself. Uh, and within the first mile of the ride, I was like, huh, I can feel the water running down my back <laughs> and slowly working its way down and filling filling up my boots. But uh, the trout fishing was phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, I wailed on them. I, I think I caught about 27 cutthroat in about 35 minutes. I only killed the five that were hooked uh, Good. You know, they, they, they weren't going to probably make it. Um, and then I got out again on Tuesday, 
and it was now Tuesday was really nice. It was sunny day, kind of warm, um, and again rode into a, a lake where I would be by myself, and just some really nice cutthroat. I mean, that that's one thing, guys. Um, you know, trout fishing off the beaten path. Uh, if you do your homework, you jump on your Onyx maps and you look at some of these lakes just just outside of Snohomish or outside of Monroe, you know, lakes that maybe are behind a gate that you got to hike into or ride a bike. Man, the, there's some really, really good trout fishing. And a lot of those lakes are also planted. Um, the trail trailblazers go in and, and dump, you know, they're dumping fry into those lakes and they just don't get the pressure. So yeah. the fishing can be amazing. Well, and, and there's so much to be said for there's been nobody fishing this yeah. in a long time, and yeah. there's nobody here, and now I get it. Yeah, dude. I was walking. I rode my bike so far, and then I had to hike in the rest of the way to the lake, and I was walking down the trail, and I got to the lake, and I took my backpack off, and I was starting to get, and I heard, bloop, <laughs> and I looked, and, and you know, there was a nice hatch going on, yeah. and they were just slurping the bugs. I was like, oh, man, this is going to be good, and it was. And so you were... Uh... What were you? What were you throwing that first day? Little spinners? Yeah, the first day, just because I I took my little one man pack raft thing with me. That first day you so, did? Yeah, yeah no, I had it okay. with me, but it was so miserable, Dude. man. I didn't feel like going out and paddling around. Last I just Sunday wanted to get a, my limit. Last Sunday was like a winter day, dude. It was, it was crazy. Rough. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, but on Tuesday, I I took my little raft and then paddled out on the lake, and I make these little mini little mini spinners. One blade spinners with a bunch of beads, and then I do like eighteen to twenty-four inches to a night crawler. I mean, it's you know, it's it's deadly. They can't resist it, and and there were so there's so many cutthroat in this particular lake that I'm I'm not going to tell you the name of it because <laughs> you got, it's not that hard to figure out. But uh, at one point, my wife called me, and I'm I'm in my little raft, and I I have my phone on my chest. And I'm putting baiting a new worm. I just released a fish, and I put the worm on, and I flip my rod, like the spinner and the worm, in, just into the water. And I'm talking to Callie, and then next thing I know, my rod is like bouncing, <laughs> and a, like probably four feet under the boat, a cutthroat grabbed that worm, and I got another one right there. I'm like, geez, I I almost it almost pulled my rod out of my lap and would have been gone, dude. That you know they're aggressive when they're yarding that dude. Just and so much all fun. of those fish um, on Sunday, I sent you a picture. One of them yeah. had like a three-inch sculpin that in its belly. Blew me away. And then the fish that I caught on Tuesday were loaded with snails. No kidding. Yep, little little freshwater snails. Really. Huh. Yeah, when I gutted them, you know, yeah. you stick the knife in and you, you run into like yeah. gravel. I'm like, what is in there? And it just loaded, packed with snails. Dude, but I was surprised at the size of them. I was surprised at the color. They're gorgeous. Okay. And they cut like stoplight red. Beautiful, beautiful cutthroat, man. So so now, you know, May 1st kind of sneaks up on you. And we've we've got a springer, a spring Chinook fishery in the Skagit that opens up along with the Lincod fishery. You know, that's that's one fishery here in, in Puget Sound and another fishery up in the San Juans. Yeah. So, you know. There's lot, a lot of stuff to lot, do. A lot of stuff to do. It'll be interesting to see what happens on that, that Skagit fishery. That's uh, from Highway 536 Bridge to Gilligan a, Creek. So, yeah. it's, you know, it's not like. That's a, that's a small. 
not my favorite stretch. There I, you go. It's a it, tough. It's, it's a, a tough, tough stretch fishery. because because here's the deal: if you could fish tidewater for those, like I grew up doing, then you can time those pulses of fish coming up when that tide's dropping. I mean, these fish come up come up the estuary; they have to acclimate to fresh water. So that dropping tide forces them to make a decision. They're either going to back out into Skagit Bay or they're going to commit and come up river. And so there's going to be pulses every low tide, you know, that that tide drops, light levels come up, temperatures increase. They don't like it there. They're going to they're going to move. So that's the tidewater deal. Then in the upper stretches, if if you're you're above Rockport, now you're almost at the terminal end of that fishery because they're either you got coming holding up holding fish. Yes. Which is, yes. you know, obviously those those moving fish right are catchable um, but, down in that tidewater. And then those holding fish up above, right. obviously, they're holding Chinook. Sure. We know how to target them and catch them. But in that middle zone... It, dude, it's a find it's a travel tough. lane. You it's find a, a travel, travel lane, lane and sit. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and just sit. And it's and to me, that's... you know you, But there's, there's some bank access there. You can plunk off the bank, you know, which makes things tough. But you find a lane in a boat... And then either drop spinners or, or sardine, qu- sardine wrap quickies mm-hmm. is, is, would, would definitely be behind game there. All right. We're going to pop out of here for a quick break. If you jump on to NorthwestSportsmanMag.com, you're going to find an article written by our good friend Andy Walgamont. New WDFW biodiversity funding package comes with a huge caveat. That's an understatement. There's a worm in a woodpile gang, and our good buddy Brian Lynn of Sportsman's Alliance going to pull that worm right out of that woodpile here next. <laughs> <laughs> the outdoor line. Seattle Sports Station 710, Seattle Sports app. Welcome to the BOMAC Tech Line. BOMAC has all the gear for all your techniques, and SMI Shellfish Gear is simply the best. BOMAC, we catch big fish. Welcome to the Tech Line, presented by BOMAC here in the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710 and the Seattle Sports app. So, anytime I get an email from Andy Walgamot, it's like, you know, red alert. Here we go. And wouldn't you know it, that you, you get a certain faction of the outdoor community that says, hey, you know, help us to, to get this funding. Come on, mm-hmm. help us. Help us, backcountry hunters and anglers. Help, you know, help us uh, get some funding. And then when the funding comes through, they want to drill holes in your boat. This is this is not a great look. And it's a real problem. And so I got to reach out to our good buddy, Brian Lynn, who's got his finger on the pulse of this. Brian Lynn, Sportsman's Alliance. Good morning, Brian. What the heck is going on now, my friend? Oh boy! Uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me on. Great to be here. Um, yeah, it's uh, more of Washington uh, uh, craziness that is uh, that's going on is what's happening here. It's uh, you know, if you remember when I was here last year, the whole wildlife society flap that we talked about. Yep. This is just a progression of that. Remember, we we talked about how they talked about uh, at the. At the convention there, that last fall you know, need yeah need more uh, uh, democracy in hunting. Uh, people who need to be uh, who are non-consumptive users need to be in this more. That hunters and anglers and have too much of a uh, say in wildlife management uh, need a new funding model. If you look at everything they said there. This new study that was put into the budget for $300,000 examines all of those principles so, being pushed by those who want to destroy the North American model. And, and that's the deal right there. The North American model, which for years, for hundreds of years, has been working very, very well. Hunters, 
through license sales and excise taxes have been keep, keeping the lights on. And partnered with good science. Yep. Yeah. And we see what's going on here in Washington now when we abandon science and we, we manage based on how we feel. Uh, look at what our, our elk population in the Blue Mountains. We can't hunt spring bears anymore. Why? Because people feel like we shouldn't hunt bears in the spring, I guess. Um, there's no science behind that. Even even though we have a permit to manage pinnipeds on the lower Columbia River, only two of these animals have been removed this, this season. Be, and, and this, again, none of this has a basis in biology. And, and, Brian, that's my issue, too, is when you start interjecting think tanks, even though they're from UW and from Wazoo, uh, you know, from UW's Ruckelshaus Center and everything like that, they cut and pasted a piece from the wildlife, excuse me, the Washington Wildlife First Group and slapped it in the budget without a single edit. And that's my problem with this is, is kind of directing WDFW, directing the commission to take a different spin and use other metrics by which to guide our department. So none of that, right. you notice I didn't say biology or wildlife biology a single time in that sentence. If we're not using biology, then what are we using to, to manage our wildlife populations by? Right, right. And, you know, this this is just uh, exactly what they want. Like I said, uh, it's it's uh, if you look at the wording of, of the budget there, it says must recommend changes, you know, as required or whatever. But it says you will look at these areas and you will supply changes to us. So changes are coming, you know, and so it's and it's all couched under huge pieces of biodiversity loss, global biodiversity loss, as if managing bears in Washington state are going to save butterflies in Indonesia and lizards in China. That's not what it's about. And here we are. We're going to go from managing wildlife at different compar- uh, carrying capacity according to the land and, and predator prey and everything to, well, it doesn't matter if there's a hundred elk or there's a thousand elk. Are there more of everything else? Mm-hmm. So it all ties right back into Washington uh, wildlife first and wildlife for all. It's a, it's, this is the game plan being put into play using you know a good good universities and stuff but the mandates and the structure of what they are supposed to look at is laid out to almost create a predetermined outcome and the real underhanded aspect of this is this was asked to be signed off on by two washington sportsman's organizations okay i mean pro wildlife model okay we're talking backcountry hunting hunting and anglers okay and um and Northwest Wildlife Council was asked to sign off on this. They did so before this codicil was placed in the budget. And, you know. It's sneaky. Oh, dude. That's some sneaky stuff. So Maria Newmiller, who heads up the Inland uh, Northwest Wildlife Council, and I quote, whoever wrote that subsection burned a lot of bridges with this addition. They were asked, look, look, there was a lot of good stuff in this addition to the budget. We're talking salmon passage. We're talking some habitat enhancements, and they have to go sneak this thing in, okay? Which, you know, they they want to they want to change the department's governance structure. They want to change its funding model. They want to change the commission structure, composition, duties, and compensation, okay? Influence on the department by special interest groups. Gee, 
what special interest groups are they going to yeah, change? Right. Yeah. And and look, they're taking three hundred thousand dollars that we could use for for salmon restoration, yeah. for habitat, and they're gonna give it to the college and then they're gonna they're gonna gut WDFW. And and it's what and in my mind, Brian, it kind of takes the onus off of WDFW, gives them an out to change this. Because, oh, look, the Ruckelshaus Center said that we should not be using biology to, to uh, manage. We should be using social structures to, mm-hmm. to manage our wildlife population. So so what can we do now? Where are we at now? And, and, and what, most importantly, Brian Lynn of, of, of Sportsman's Alliance, what can we do in the future to keep this crap from happening over and over and over? Right. You know, well, first of all, you're exactly right that they are going to lean into this study. You know, it's due in June of 2024. So I will put money on it that that following session, there will be calls to change the mandate in the legislature. That's what will be coming down the road. That's what they've been going for for the last two years. And that's been the only thing keeping these five anti-hunters in check on our game commission is that they have to provide according to law within the mandate for hunters and anglers. That is what's going to be threatened the most. The other stuff will be used as leverage to accomplish other things, but that is one of the main goals. We need to be speaking up, doing exactly this, talking about it here, talking about it in public, contacting your representatives and senators, telling them, yelling at them, getting this across, because a lot of these guys don't understand this. This is just you know, swept through, moved through quickly. They don't understand what's going on and to what degree. We need to be vocal and stay on it. And and when things like this come up, let them know and scream about it. Let them know. Like, I mean, this is the threat and it's coming. It's a slow burn. Like, it's going to take a couple of years, but they are making pointed chess moves and putting the pieces into play right now. You know, there's... I mean, you can see, you can, it, it, it doesn't take a genius to draw the line between this commission and the end of consumptive hunting and fishing in the state of Washington. Okay. I, yeah. I mean, you, if you look at some of the backgrounds of some of our commissioners, that's not a big leap. And, and, and Brian Lynn, why are all these things, oh, this is nothing big. This is, but it all's leading in one direction. There's not anything leaning in, in, in the other direction at all. It's just like, no, 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 we'll just lower the population of, of elk in the blues. No, no, and then no. it'll we'll sound just, better. Yeah, no, know. no, this, this is this this will be better this way. Yeah, and, and it, it's it's intellectually dishonest, and it, it's really yes. it, it's really theft of the public trust because, you know, when, when we started harvesting the trees and putting dams in the rivers and stuff like that, this, the citizens of the state of Washington were 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 promised mitigation. We're gonna we're gonna build these hatcheries, gang. Okay, we're gonna make sure there's there's always gonna be hunting and fishing for you guys. But that's not what we're seeing right now coming out of the governments in Olympia. No, no, and, and this is you know a real threat. And all you have to do is look at the words that were used and look at the goals of this study and go to Wildlife for All's website and look at their stated goals and their action plan for implementing a new model, an unfunded model, but a new model. They, they align perfectly. This is the plan being put into play from a big piece. So keep an eye on this, gang. Jump on sportsmansalliance.org. Join up. Be a member. Get yourself informed. And, and a big shout-out to our friend Andy Walgamont because, you know, it – 
the, the my my real problem with this, Brian, is the fact that it happens in darkness. Okay, and and yes. daylight is absolutely the best disinfectant. But when they stuff things like this into the thirty eighth page of a budget. Right or or you know I'm, I don't even know the the you know what I'm talking about. I think about it was here. the 32nd page of a 430 <laughs> page. <laughs> you know, and then don't tell anybody about it, right? Because because this yep. this kind of stuff thrives in darkness, and and it, man, it, it, I I got a real issue with this. But I thank you for coming on, Brian, and uh, and keep us informed on this. Okay, definitely we we need to we need your eyes on this too, and, and keep us in the loop, please. Appreciate you, buddy. You bet, guys. Anytime. Thank you very much for having us on and getting the word out. All right, Brian Lynn. Thanks so much, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Coming up next, Ray Marine Picks of the Week here for the final time in April. I'm ready for May. You ready for May? I'm ready. I'm ready for May. You ready for May? Let's go go do that right here in the Outdoor Line. Seattle Sports Station 710, Seattle Sports app. Welcome to the Outdoor Line Picks of the Week, presented by Ray Marine Electronics. Don't just go fishing. Go hunting underwater. Ray Marine, simply superior. Leave doubt in your wake. High-performance marine electronics for sailing, fishing, cruising, and commercial mariners. Discover Ray Marine at raymarine.com. It's so funny. We, we did an electronics demo this week. And to get somebody in our screens and show them fish in the bait and structure and everything, you know. Especially if, somebody who hasn't spent a, a whole ton of time on the water actually fishing and using marine electronics to to watch them go holy cow <laughs> what that's your that's your downrigger ball that's your flasher and there's a fish right there i mean it's you know you and i are just, we're so keyed into that stuff it's cool to see somebody else see like like wow what is that you know this big bait ball down there and you know just being able to show them what is actually under the boat is it's just so cool you know it's like the light turns on like oh wow and and it's gotten so much better it's so it's it, so it, much better. you know and and like i told him I, I was we're showing him the electronics and kind of getting him tuned in on it and i go yeah you know i remember back in the day when we had paper paper it was paper right paper were the and first machine about where we're at now you have a high speed computer on your boat that allows you to see everything under the water i'll never forget the, the very first one I ever saw was the old fish locator, mm-hmm. the, the circular flasher deal, and it was on a charter boat at Westport. And I thought I was standing on the bridge of the Starship <laughs> Enterprise in Star Trek, dude. But you know, you, if you think about, it, we're 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 fortunate to have come along when we did with regard to marine electronics, be, because you know we saw, we've seen the progression we've, of it. We've grown with it. Yeah, and and in doing so, you you get kind of a deeper understanding of it as well. And and you know, my, personally having used it in a research application, doing doing um, hydroacoustic surveys in the North Pacific and and herring surveys and stuff like that, hydroacoustics in the rivers, you know, all that kind of stuff. It, it to to have used it in all that and watched it develop into what it is now gives you a certain perspective that you can't get in. 10 minutes on a boat or 15 minutes on a boat because experience is certainly the best teacher with regard to display interpretation. So you have to translate what the real world looks like through that, through that screen. Right. 
and it's becoming a little easier to do that, whereas before it was more subjective that, okay, what is this cloud of stuff and what does that mean, right? I can remember even probably, you know, I'm going to say 15 years ago, um, I'd jump on my Uncle Ray's boat and I'd be looking at the screen and go, there's no way that's all fish. What yeah. is what is it that? Is. And, and, you know, um, you have to learn to trust your marine electronics. Otherwise, that that's I hear it from guys all the time. They're like, yeah, I don't know if it's working right. I don't I can't tell if that's <clears throat> fish down there or if it's bait, you know, and, and that's you. You have to get the faith. Yeah. yeah and, 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 and forgive me if you've heard me tell this story before. But it, but it's so so very very important that when I got the faith when I, I was herring fishing in Togiak and I was running the sonar and I'm trying to learn what this new Westmar scanning sonar ray there was a big sea chest and this this dome dropped through the hull of the boat and I could move it and scan it but I had a herring spotter pilot up there Danny Dorman and I'd talk to Danny to go okay Danny what's that over on my left right he goes. Nelly, that's a school of herring over there. Okay. So I turned a boat and get everything. We get the net around it and stuff like that. So it was a, you know, a herring row fishery, number one, Kazunoko. And, and it was, but to have somebody immediately confirming my on screen observations visually, dude. Huge. The only thing I can liken that to is when we take somebody out and it's kind of a foggy day, we show them radar first. Then the radar eventually lifts and then we can show them the shoreline, we show them the boats, we show them the piling, show them the docks, piers, buoys, all that kind of stuff. But you can't take the water away and show them all the fish. Yeah, you, well, and and the radar thing, the best thing folks can do if you're new to radar is just run it. All the time. Run it all the time. You're not going to wear you it know? out. Just run it. That way you you leave the harbor, you come around the corner. Well, what is that big mass out there? Oh, that's Hat Island. Mm-hmm. Okay, now I see. Oh, I, yeah, okay. And what – okay, turn the boat this direction. What's that? Well, there's Whidbey Island. You know, and, you need and to know what your home water la- looks like. You don't want to turn your radar on the first time when it's foggy. When when you need it, <laughs> yeah. When you need it is the worst time to sure. learn how to use it's, your radar. We do it all the time. Still, you know, we're running and it's like, okay, oh, yep, there's that. What's that over there? Oh, it's that boat. You know, and you can see a boat two miles away. Pick it up on the radar. Yeah. I'll never forget the first radar drill I had on a Seattle Fire Department fireboat. The crusty old fireboat pilot, John Hill. Kid, you have the radar drill yet? Nope. Come on, let's go. And, he, and then all of a sudden, he appears walking down the dock with a load of cardboard under his arm. What's that for, boss? Well, I'm going to show you, kid. Takes this cardboard and blocks out every window in the wheelhouse of the boat. He, all just, right. he just made it foggy. He just made it foggy. You can't see a thing from the wheelhouse of that boat. So then we set, you know, a, like a deck hand up forward with a little... You know, 500 megahertz radio and one on the back, and I could. He goes, "Listen, you're going to take it up the West Waterway <laughs> of the Duwamish, right? Yeah, across the ferry lanes, across everything. So we leave, you know, leave right there off of you know Pier 50, Pier 53, which is right between Ivers and the Coleman Ferry Dock, and you can look. You're flying by instruments, mm-hmm. but that's where the rubber meets the road, right there. And so you're looking at all the traffic, and it takes you a minute to kind of calm down, figure it out, settle down. But then, yeah. You're going to watch all those boats, and then you're you're going to have one of the guys on the bow that's set that's going to you know give you watch. It's real similar to when you hire somebody to teach you how to use your boat, but they just give you these goggles that you put on that you can't see out sure. there. But yeah, so so blocking the wheelhouse windows out with cardboard is kind of an extreme example. But 
All this to indicate that your marine electronics are your eyes and your ears and it's safety equipment and they're going to put you on fish. And, you know, I, I can make the case that, that guys experience with using their chart plotter and their sonar in conjunction with each other is going to make and break you on the lingcod opener. Mm-hmm. It's going to make and break you on halibut fishing, whether it's in the straits or on the coast, right? You got to know what those what what your chart plotter is saying. You got to know what your what what your electronics are saying. The only way to do that is is through experience, and that's and that's kind of what we try to do in our seminars too. Is is you know show people screenshots and kind of get them walking down that path to understanding what that complex display is trying to teach. We have so much cool technology at our fingertips yeah. now that allow us to go out there and, and be more successful anglers. You know, I, I think of stuff like now where, you know, you're trolling along, you you mark a big elevated bait ball, it's got fish crashing, crashing on it, you get a fish off of it, you drop a pin on it, yep. and you just, you just live mm-hmm. on it, right? And how cool is that? You drop a pin, you can back up. You know, if you if you miss it, you're fighting the fish, land a fish. You back up to where the ball, the bait ball was, drop a pin on it. I mean, come on, that's like it's like cheating, but it's awesome. It's so cool to be oh, able to is. do that. And then, because think about it, if you don't if you don't have that, you could turn around and maybe maybe go over the same spot or get close to it. But when you can drop a pin and go back and focus and try to stay right on that bait. But think about somebody that just bought one of these. Sounders. Mm-hmm. And I don't care whose sounder you bought. Do you know how to set a waypoint? Do you know how to put a slug trail on? Do you? I mean, all this stuff can be learned in in the driveway. Get the manual out, have or have your phone there. Watch a YouTube video and sit in your driveway and learn how to use that unit. Learn how to edit a waypoint. Learn how to put a name on it so it's not just a number. Learn how to to. It, it cracks me up when guys don't know how to erase their tracks. They're, yeah. You know, they're, because you can leave a track plot, which is extremely handy to know where you fish, to know where you've been, to know where safe water is, all that kind of stuff. But if you don't know how to erase them, then it's just going to black out your area and you're not going to be able to, you know, see a doggone thing. Driveway drills. You learn so much about your unit and you're not going to smoke your transducer if it's not, unless it's a 90 degree day and you leave it on for three or four hours, mm-hmm. you're not going to burn it up. But, you know, with Raymarine, you hit the power button, you can turn all sonar off just to make sure you're going to be safe. But, you know, and I don't mean to turn this into a marine electronics complete segment, but dude, there's just so much that, that people need to know, need to learn need to, to, to get their most out of it because, dude, it's an investment, you know? That that oh, for sure. That gear yeah. is that gear. You know, just doesn't grow on trees for sure. Um, so, talking now a little bit about our Lincoln opener, though. You know, the the San Juans are so much fun. And and last time we went up there, we went and found we got some got some kelp greenling. We found a couple kelp patties and jigged little tiny white jigs. Yep. And got a whole bunch of kelp greenling and swam those over rocky structure. And I think we had Shane and Jeff Paco on the boat that day. Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah and obviously I I love fishing up there just because of the structure. Um, but I, it's I'm a little more I, obvious. It's way more obvious, right? And there's just so much more of it. There is the whole the all the islands up there. That is just Lincod one hundred yeah, I mean they're for they're sure. everywhere. Yeah. Um, but I'm excited to go out on possession. Me too. And I haven't done it in years, dude. This is the first time my boat's been down here. In the end of June, or excuse me, the end of the end of April, first yeah. first of May, and you know, 
30 years. Be, it's going to yeah. be fun to see everybody. I talked to Kester. He's going. He, he's out there right now oh, catching yeah. his bait. Yeah. Um, we were down on the boat doing that uh, demo with yeah. the Ray Marine, and we saw John Martinez <laughs> sneak by. Hey, what's he doing? And we're like, what, what's he going to do? He was he was out he's so, out there so you're, sneaking around looking for bait and you're not gonna you're not gonna find kelp greenling here okay but but you are gonna find sand dabs. sand dabs and and those little Which are pogey little, shiner yep, perch yep little pogey shiner perch and if you need to be around pilings mm-hmm. and straight and and straight salt water so the Porta Everett is somewhat brackish because of the influence of the Snohomish River coming down there. So it doesn't harbor tremendous amounts of herring or pile perch, stuff like that. But if you can find some pilings, you know, and, and like there's boat ramps on Woodby Island and a bunch of other stuff, you can go find little tiny harbors and whatnot. They'll hold, they'll hold those little pogies or pile perch, and they're money, dude. Yeah, the west side of Hat Island also, there are some old yep. pilings yep. there. For sure. That I, I catch some some perch at, and I, I'm sure there's probably pogies there. Yeah, so and so we'll 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 be we'll be showing some pictures and keeping them and not, live not and stuff that, like that. So. You know, not that you have to fish live bait. Um, you don't. You don't. No, you Listen, don't. Listen, uh, our buddy Chris Sherwood, he fishes that opener every year right there at Possession, and and he went out with Matt Chandler. They had live bait. Chris just stayed on the bow of the boat and ran <laughs> ran swim baits, yeah. uh, lancer jigs, yep. and and murdered right. But as the season goes on. And and a lot of those lingcod that were, you know, easy to catch. Yeah, uh, they haven't been harassed for over a year now. Um, it gets a little tougher. And oh, then, it will be. The, yeah. and, and then I just like fishing. Though I like the process of going and Me catching too. the bait. Me too. It, it, it's just it's a, and then the live bait bite is a kick yeah. in the pants too because you know you, that that little that little sand dab is going to go. Oh no! Oh no! You can feel the fear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, you know it, it's it's you know similar to what an anchovy does when a tuna right before a tuna comes in and yep. nails them. So, all right, we got a jam packed hour too. We got this guy named Robo, Rob, 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 Robo, <clears throat> Robo, our long lost partner resurfaces southeast Alaska. Robo's going to jump in, um, and then. Uh, Somebody that I've respected for a long time, never get him on the radio show. Mark Coleman, All Rivers Saltwater Charters, and then should could there be a Brock Heward cameo appearance later on in the show? Jeez, didn't we just Brock was just on not that long ago? He's fired up, dude. He wants oh. to go fishing and he wants to talk NFL. Draft, and he wants so. uh, obviously wants to do more radio. I think yeah, because he needs yeah, to. Yeah, he needs. Yeah, he needs more radio. Forty-eight hours of radio is not <laughs> enough. Yeah, so I may have I may have begged a little bit to get him on the show. But anyway, no, we got a pack pack third hour for you. Excuse me, pack second hour here with three great guests right here in the outdoor line. Seattle Sports Station seven ten and Seattle Sports app.